Welcome to the Tally Room Podcast. I'm Ben Rowie. Today, I'm talking about the local council elections for the City of Sydney and the Inner West Council in Sydney with Alison Hall. Alison is a journalist with the Inner West Review in Sydney and uh, previously worked for City Hub in Sydney and the Inner West Independent. Hello, Alison. Hello. Nice to chat. Okay, so let's start with the City of Sydney. Gets a lot of, it's, it gets a lot of coverage as a council, has a, a high profile They get a lot of money relative to other councils and they obviously have the prestige of Town Hall. It's not the biggest council though and I think sometimes it gets a little bit too much attention but Clover Moore is definitely an interesting figure and she's she's up for election for a fifth term as Lord Mayor of Sydney. If she sees out the next term, she'll have been in the job for over 20 years. Yet there doesn't appear to be much of a mood for change in the city. Alison, do you think there's anyone who could beat Clover Moore? Oh, that's a, it's quite a tough question because I think you are quite right. You know, there isn't really that uh, mood for change. There are quite a few people putting their hats in the ring who have been, you know, kind of uh, working quite hard on their campaign, obviously, because it's quite hard to, you know, um, beat Clover Moore. And I think everyone realises that. I spoke to um, Linda Scott, who is the Labor councillor in the, Uh, city of Sydney and she's put her hat in the ring to go for mayor and you know when I was speaking to her she acknowledged it was going to be a really hard run but you know she's got her own followers and she's got quite a high profile she's doing quite well as far as other people go there's a obviously Angela Vithulkas from the small business party has also put her hand up and obviously we've got um, Yvonne Weldon from the Unite for Sydney team who has also put her hat in the ring so as far as their chances go, I think they've got a really, really hard push to kind of unseat Clover Moore. If they can beat her, you know, I'll be surprised. But I think they've got a really good shot in terms of, you know, building up momentum for other personalities within the council that aren't Clover Moore. Yeah. I mean, at some point she's going to retire and it does appear sometimes like Moore is building up some of the younger councillors on her ticket to be a potential successor. She did it once before when she stepped down as the state MP and handed over that seat to Alex Greenwich. At the moment, uh, the Clover Moore team, they won five out of the nine seats on the council in 2017, plus Clover herself as Lord Mayor, uh, along with two Liberals and one Labor and Vithulkas. I think probably they're going to struggle to win that result again and probably li- likely to lose a seat, maybe lose two. The Greens had a very bad election in 2016 and will be hoping to win back a seat. So there's a lot of competition for those seats and hard for them to get a majority in their own right. I feel that some of the other people who are putting their hat in the ring for mayor may not necessarily uh, see themselves as having much of a chance this time around. But as you said, eventually Clover Moore's going to have to retire. Perhaps if they can continue building their own brand and building themselves up as councillors, they may have a chance uh, when the next council elections roll around. If you know, Clever Moore retires. Yeah, and I don't know if you cover this at all, but one of the big stories of the last term was that Karen Phelps uh, was one of Clover's councillors elected in 2016. And uh, she was Clover's first deputy Lord Mayor in this term. But they had a falling out in 2017. Uh, and Moore's kind of relied on Linda Scott from Labor to give her her majority, her solid majority since then. While Phelps Phelps went on to serve as a federal MP for less than a year. And for a while there, it looked like Phelps was going to run against Clover Moore and possibly chip away at her vote. But she later withdrew and Yvonne uh, Weldon's kind of um, taken over that platform um, that Phelps withdrew from. So uh, 
that was that was a sort of a, a sign of a chink in, in Clover's armor. Yeah, I think people were surprised when Karen Phelps uh, decided to step back and said that she wasn't running for council and wasn't going to put her hat in the ring for mayor. Obviously, she stepped back for personal reasons uh, to spend more time with, you know, a family member who was sick. So there wasn't political reasons for her stepping back. So I think she's really uh, behind this new Unite for Sydney team that are kind of you know, putting themselves out there this time around. So you've got obviously Yvonne Weldon at the top of that, but then you've got a fair few other personalities from around Sydney as well. So I think Karen Phelps is really pushing that, but I think you're absolutely right. It was quite, you know, significant ally to lose uh, that Clovermore lost. And I think there was a lot of um, questions that Karen Phelps had in regards to the transparency of council. And I, I suppose, you know, Clover Moore obviously has a very strong brand and I think that strong brand is also, it rubs some of the other councillors the wrong way who see it sometimes as Clover Moore promoting her own brand as opposed to promoting things as a City of Sydney initiative. So that's some of the, it's, it's just interpersonal conflict really, but I think that has lost her some allies and obviously Karen Phelps was a really big one. That does lie at the heart of a lot of conflict in local councils is the interpersonal elements. Uh, Are there any particular issues you've identified that seem to be in play, like promises that any of the candidates are making or any of that kind of stuff in the City of Sydney? I think one of the big discussions is obviously about Oxford Street. That's been happening. You know, there's a lot of people who are very angry about the fact that Oxford Street has got to the state that it's in and it's been quite a battleground as far as you know discussions go um you know even with something as you'd think it would be something as straightforward as a bicycle path in the middle of oxford street became a really big uh debate so i as far as kind of local issues go what's going to happen with that is obviously a big thing i think recently they announced that you know they were going to protect it as and recognize it as a significant LGBT site and have, you know, a lot of things there, but already, you know, people have already seen a decline in it as a destination. So I think that is one of the things that people would be concerned about, obviously, as well. One of the big things that um, City of Sydney and Clovermore have been really pushing is obviously the pedestrianisation of George Street, which is a big infrastructure project. And I think they've been really working hard to kind of get it done before the end of this term of council because I guess it's something that's really uh, big and visible and a lot of people kind of, you know, are watching that. And it ties in with some of the controversies regarding how the state government handled the building of the light rail project there. So as far as some of these local issues go, it's, yeah, a lot of these kind of impressive uh, infrastructure and kind of I guess, placemaking things, I think, are on people's minds. The thing with the city of Sydney, as you know, is it's quite a transient area. So you have a lot of people who don't live there for a very long time who are kind of in and out. Uh, So, you know, it's really hard to kind of get into some of those nitty-gritty as far as, you know, the people that are involved. Obviously there's a lot of people who have lived there their whole lives who are very passionate about council issues, but... At the same vein, there's a lot of people who kind of, you know, come in, pass through, and they don't really stick around for very long. So I think some of these kind of big spectacular projects kind of are really the only way council can grab people's attention. 
Mm. So let's move on now to talking about the Inner West Council. This council was created in 2016 as a merger of the Ashfield, Marrickville and Leichhardt councils. It's far and away the best council in Sydney for the Greens, who hold one third of the council seats. Yet power has been shared over the last four years between Labor and the Conservatives on the council. Alison, what are the key issues that you think are, are dividing the candidates in this election? Well, one of the things that's interesting, as you've pointed out, is that there is, you know, in this council, a very progressive majority You've got basically the two main players being the Greens and the Labor Party. And if you watch council meetings, on most things, they actually vote in line with one another. So there's a lot of issues that get passed unanimously by this council. Um, But on the side, there's also a lot of kind of issues that are a little bit more politicised. So one of the things that's been really politicised is the Leichhardt Skate Park. You know, you've got the Labor Party Council is usually supporting that and Greens Party Council is usually going against that. And that's an issue that was residual from the Leichhardt Council. You've got other kind of major uh, green space projects as well, like uh, the future of the Marrickville Golf Course. I think the Greens kind of want to see that cut down to nine holes. You've got the Labor Party wants to see it in its existing 18 holes. So some of these kind of you know, the use of green space and the future of some of these, um, you know, parks and other things, it has seen some divide. But a lot of issues are actually quite unanimous when it comes to the council. One of the things that uh, has been a big factor has been the question of de-amalgamating the councils. You know, a lot of councils amalgamated. It doesn't appear like in most of them it's become such an issue as it has in in Inner West where the Greens have grabbed hold of it and there will be a poll, not a binding vote, but a vote of the residents about whether they support de-amalgamating that will be happening and that if that passes, that could become the beginning of a process to consider de-amalgamating. Labor has opposed that, not so much because they actively support having the bigger unified council, although I think there's a bit of that, but uh, more just we've already got the council, it costs all this money, it seems to work okay. Let's just keep it as it is. Uh, I mean, as an outsider, I look at the councils that formed in the West and I'm like, it actually makes a lot of sense. There's some other councils that were created that are a bit of a weird gerrymander, but Inner West has a certain logic to it. But there's still a lot of people who, certainly amongst the kind of political activist class in the area, who have been very unhappy about that. Do you think that's going to play as an issue or do you think most people are like, well, I just care about, you know, my local services and and... I just, that's the main thing for me. Well, the Inner West is quite a politically active uh, local government area, I suppose. So there are quite a lot of people who are part of that uh, activist class, I would say. But I, I think outside of those people who are involved in politics and are really following council, I don't think it's really something that's on people's minds. You know, I think there's probably a lot of people who don't even know that this poll is going to happen or don't really know what it means. And like with the city of Sydney, where I said it's quite transient, I think the same can be said about the inner West. So there's probably people, a lot of people here, including myself, who haven't lived here under the old councils. So don't really know what it was like then. And I think a lot of people tend to be quite uh, change averse. So unless they have a really good case for change that's presented to them, I think a lot of people are just going to say, just keep it as it is. Um, I think the main arguments for de-amalgamation that have been put forward are this kind of turmoil that we constantly see 
in the council, you know, are some things like having more councillors per person. Uh, obviously, the Inner West Council area is a huge population represented by these 15 councillors. And obviously, people, some people say that it's better to have that more localised service and better representation. But I, I think it's going to be a really hard slog uh, to convince the general public that this is something that really, really matters beyond, you know, the people who are politically involved. That's a really interesting point about the number of people who, like it's been five years now, there's a lot of people who probably didn't live in the area in 2016 who will be voting. Some of the councillors who are making that point about, you know, de-amalgamating, they're kind of leaning on the argument of the services will be better. They're leaning on the argument that you will have more councillors to represent uh, each person. Um, so there's that kind of argument to be made. And obviously the other one, which I didn't mention before, is the rates harmonisation. So it means that some people in some areas of the inner west will be paying significantly more rates than previously. Uh, so they're the main ones that kind of affect the people. But as I said, people tend to be change averse and it will be really hard to convince the kind of general voting public that it's something they should really care about. I mean, it's interesting that the chatter about all the divisiveness and the conflict on the council, because it's true, like it has been a very conflicted council. Some people could say it was, it's been toxic between the various councillors. I mean, there's other councils that have a similar kind of vibe. Uh, when I tweeted about this, someone was like, have you seen Cumberland Council? Uh, but one of the other things I would say as well, as someone who used to live in the old Marrickville Council, is the old Marrickville Council and the old Leichhardt Council, which were ones which had the same kind of Labor versus Greens conflict, were incredibly toxic at times. So much conflict, so much anger, I think partly motivated because people who are a little bit politically closer to each other but don't can't like don't feel like they can ally together, it getting a bit more vicious and nasty than it might when it's a Labor versus Liberal contest or maybe a Greens versus Liberal contest. And so I'm not sure that'll change if you de-amalgamate. Maybe for Ashfield it might, but uh, I think that says that's that's about the area, not about the emerged council. One of the things is obviously you've got Labor Party and the Greens. They're playing to much the same audience when it comes to local issues. And I think you see a lot of the political rhetoric is around, you see Labor councillors saying, oh, the Greens, they're allying with the Liberal Party, so they're bad. And then on the other hand, you have Greens people saying, the ALP is uh, allying with the Liberal Party, so they're bad. So it's kind of like, you know, you've got two progressive parties playing to much the same audience who care about a lot of the same issues. So you see when they are divided on something, they're both trying to take uh, the more progressive attitude on this. So with something like the golf course, you see the Labor Party saying the reason we should protect the golf course is because if we don't, it will become overtaken by developers and uh, this is a really progressive golf community and then you've got the greens saying well you know we need this green space reclaiming it for the community so on both sides you've got people taking uh, progressive stances to try and win that progressive audience in a kind of different way well so so we started talking a little bit about the numbers on the council not just about the issues and I think part of the dynamic in this council is the greens are strong enough it's a very progressive area I've done recent podcasts with people talking about the Northern Beaches in Campbelltown, both places where you have a Greens councillor who largely allies with a kind of centre-left or centrist in the Northern Beaches council majority. They can be quite civil 
you know, Labor and the Greens in a place like Campbelltown because the Greens aren't really competing for power with Labor. They just want a little slice of the power. The inner west isn't like that. You know, the Greens can win electorates off Labor. Uh, They want the mayoralty. And so it has produced a lot of conflict. The current council, there's five Labor and five Greens, two Liberals, three Independents, one of whom you'd very much clearly say is on the left. Uh, That's Lockie uh, in the Stanmore ward. Macri in the Marrickville ward is definitely on the right. And Stamola's sort of a centrist person, but um, has been willing to ally with the Greens. And so that's created a situation where you have eight supporting Labor, at least until recently, and we'll get to that, and seven opposing Labor, which means it is close, but it's also created an interesting dynamic where even though the Liberals in the area are much more right-wing than Labor, Labor's kind of relied on those Conservatives to give them the numbers to run the council. Do you have any thoughts about how that might change with an election? Oh, look, it's really interesting because obviously uh, recently we had at the mayoral election uh, before the, um, you know, the end of year everyone voting election, which I, I think kind of showed a bit of the sentiment in the current councillors that we've got in that what we saw happen was that when it came to the mayoral vote this time around, uh, we ended up seeing uh, actually a Greens councillor taking out the mayoralty, that was Rochelle Porteous, and basically, you know, she'll be in uh, the mayoralty for just three months. But basically what happened was this time around uh, the two Liberals and one of the independents who had previously supported uh, Mayor Byrne, they actually abstained from voting this time around. Uh, I think between the vote in 2017 and now, what we've seen happen is that there has been a kind of um, interpersonal conflict rising between uh, Darcy Byrne and between the two Liberal Party councillors. And, and I think that comes from, as I said before, you know, the Greens and the ALP both try to poison the water by saying that the other party is with the Liberals. And we saw, you know, quite a few examples last year with Darcy Byrne saying things about uh, a Liberal councillor by the name of Julie Passas, who is a very divisive figure on her own. But basically, you know, she's not going to support Darcy Byrne with the things that he's been saying about her. Uh, So, you know, we have seen a bit of a breakdown in that relationship between the Labor Party and the Liberals in the Inner West Council. And, you know, that could definitely really change things in the next election, depending, of course, on uh, what the makeup after the vote is. A majority of the electorate and probably a majority of Labor's voter base really don't like the Liberal Party um, and probably prefer the Greens to the Liberals, whereas there might be other other parts of Sydney where Labor voters are a little bit less pro-Green, but most of the Labor voters in the area, you know, they would give their second preference to the Greens. Yeah. Um, so at the time of the election, they really don't want to be seen as aligned with the Liberals. And so it's been for Darcy Byrne's advantage to distance himself from those Liberals, but in the end... He needs their votes on council to be mayor. And so he's he's had to work with them. And one of the things about this mayoral election was nobody expected there to be a mayoral election before the election in September. And it came up uh, because the election was postponed for three months because of the last lockdown. And, um, you know, he'd burnt his bridges in the expectation there'd be an election. And then after the election, they could make new deals. It didn't happen. There was a surprise extra mayoral election and he his support base broke down and, now we have a green mayor. 
uh, one who's who is retiring, which is interesting. There's a lot of retirements on this council, and when the nominations all close, I'm planning on doing a bit of an analysis. Is that unusual compared to other councils? But um, there's a lot of the Labor and Greens councillors in particular who are retiring. Yeah, I was looking through who's running this year, and you're right. There's absolutely you know, a whole new fresh set of faces, which, you know, I think could be very interesting as far as people talking about the the culture on council and some of these kind of interpersonal conflicts that have been built up over the years. I do think we'll see a change if this kind of younger, you know, more new to politics kind of generation of councillors come in. I think it, we might see a completely different culture on council. There is a precedent that Darcy Burns Labor and Rochelle Porteous's Greens on Leichhardt Council in the 2012 to 2016 term actually formed an alliance with each other rather than what we've seen more commonly, which is um, Greens form alliances with independents and Labor forms alliances with other independents and sometimes Liberals. Uh, and you had Labor and the Greens get together. Uh, part of it was the Liberals actually did really well in 2012, so they were a bit, they weren't so much the little minor party, they, they'd done quite well. And they were actually a threat. And so Labor and the Greens got together and shared the mayoralty between them. And I think probably for a lot of Labor and Greens voters in the US, that would be their preferred option. But um, it's never been in the political interest, particularly of Labor. The Greens have usually been in opposition in these situations to do that instead. They would rather um, have the power to themselves. But it could happen. As you pointed out there, there has previously been those power sharing arrangements between the Greens and Labor. I think it will really depend on, you know, what, council looks like in terms of uh, who we'll see as mayor in the coming, you know, term. Because of those current numbers, at the last election, it was actually really close that Vic Macri, the Conservative Independent in Marrickville, just narrowly beat another independent, also named Vic, uh, Victoria Pye, um, who was a new candidate, kind of came out of the blue, but was on the left, certainly express more willingness to work with the Greens, whereas Macri is very much the anti-Green figure on the council. Um, and he only beat her by a handful of votes. And if she won that seat, maybe you would have seen a Greens and Independent Alliance, maybe Greens and Labor would have worked together. I'm not sure. But it's not clear to me yet if there's a strong candidate who might emerge. But you could see one seat flip and then the current numbers no longer add up. I, I think a lot of people in the inner west are really... Uh quite fed up at the moment with the politicised, with the politicising and the kind of, you know, uh, back and forth between the Greens and Labor. If you just browse through the Facebook pages, you see a lot of people that are kind of sick of seeing, you know, the kind of interpersonal conflict and they just kind of want to see people working together and, you know, fighting for the area and kind of getting on with it with some of the local issues. Uh, so, I mean, that could as well colour the way people vote, but I don't think it much will change as far as the seat numbers go. So that's about it for this episode of the Tally Room podcast. You can see Alison's journalism about the local areas that we've been talking about today in the Inner West Review. Thank you for joining us, Alison. Thank you very much for having me. You can find this podcast on your podcast app of choice. If you like the show, please consider rating or reviewing us on iTunes. You can follow the Tally Room on Twitter at the Tally Room or like us on Facebook. This podcast is made possible thanks to the generous support of donors on Patreon. Sign up at patreon.com slash tallyroom. Information about this podcast is available at tallyroom.com.au and you can email questions or feedback to the tallygroom at gmail.com. Thanks to Chris Bro for writing the music you're in this episode. Once again, thanks for listening. <laughs>